Hello and welcome to the Ocean Impact Podcast, Pitchfest 2020 series. I'm Nick Shirelli, thanks for joining me. Late last year, OIO ran the Ocean Impact Pitchfest 2020. We were inundated with almost 200 applications from 38 countries and were blown away by the incredible breadth and quality of ideas and ventures that applied, all trying to make a positive impact on planet Ocean. Over the course of this Pitchfest 2020 series, we'll dive into the challenge and opportunity areas that each of the finalists are working on, find out about their unique solution, and discuss the key challenges and learnings they've encountered on their journey so far. We'll also discuss their why, their motivation for working towards a healthy ocean, what the road ahead looks like for them, and how you, the listener, might be able to support their journey. This week, I'm talking to Fanny Savignon, who's the Business Development Manager of the South Korean startup Injin. Injin's mission is to harness wave power to supply clean, sustainable and affordable energy to remote island and coastal communities. Offshore renewable energy is regarded as a major challenge due to the violent and unpredictable characteristics of the open ocean. But Injin uses a novel approach to creating ocean energy through a system that remains attached to land. Injin's wave energy converter technology generates power using the whole range of wave movements, enabling its application even in shallow waters where conventional technologies otherwise have difficulties. Injin's target customers range from off-grid communities in remote islands to city dwellers of coastal towns. Injin installations contribute to energy security and independence, fossil fuel pollution reduction, and boost local economic development. I hope you enjoyed this discussion with Fanny Savignon on the Ocean Impact Podcast, Pitchfest 2020 series. Welcome, Fanny, to the Ocean Impact Podcast. It's great to have you on this morning. Hi, Nick. Uh, it's, nice, it's nice to be here. Thank you. Excellent. So you're, you're calling in from South Korea. What time is it where you are? It's uh, 9.34 in the morning. So that's, everybody just clocked in. Uh, it's not too bad. So it's not a bad time zone. A lot of the other guests um, from uh, the other Pitchfest finalists have been on the other side of the world. So um been doing some right. early mornings and late nights for me. So it's nice to do one in the middle of the day. Um, right. Let's get straight into it. I'm intrigued as to what engine um, translates to in, in English. What's what's the name all about? Oh, then um, engine is the combination of two syllables. So you have in, which is the traditional, I would say, sign for a human being, a person in Korean or um, Sino-Korean, and Jin comes from engineering. So it's basically uh, engineering uh, designed to, um, for, for human beings. Awesome. Engineering to benefit humans. That's great. Right. right. That's a nice meaning, in Love my opinion. Right. So look, let's get straight into it. What is the problem and the opportunity that Injin's pursuing here? Um, I would say the, the problem is quite obvious to everyone. You've got this climate emergency and at the same time, a growing demand in the world for electricity. 
and also the fact that there is um, increasing land pressure and pressure on land resources. So as many of our uh, co-competitors, we look to the oceans for um, solutions. And the solution to us is wave energy, which is a, a, a dense, predictable and abundant source of energy. Indian is developing wave energy, um, converting technology um, in order to support the renewable energy transition. And uh, yes, yeah, so wave energy is a very efficient, uh, dense, predictable and abundant source of power, um, which could um, provide up to 30% of the world energy demand. So um, it's not as marginal as some could think. It's a fascinating space, isn't it? I mean, um, to give you some uh, some context, you're uh, and as you know, you're the the second um, of 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 two uh, wave energy finalists. So two out of twelve of the Pitchfest twenty twenty finalists were were wave energy, and um, and even more similar, both of you targeting um, similar small island developing um, countries yeah. and and local. Uh, local energy production. So uh, we were actually blown away by the number of wave energy entrants in the pitch fest. We must have had uh, 15 or 20 entrants from all around the world, and we were completely not expecting that. Um, you know, it is, and I think I mentioned this in a previous interview with Tom Dennis from Waveswell Energy, it, it you know, it is sort of the 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 little brother to the other renewables, which I think is you know, makes it exciting um, now. There is so much potential for it. Um, and it also, uh, if we can get the technology right, um, it has a lot of benefits that um, that solar and wind um, don't have. Uh, and it's an exciting, it's a, it's a very exciting space. Um, you know, I mentioned Waveswell there. Uh, tell, can you tell us anything Tell us a little bit about the actual engine technology and how that looks in relation to who you deem your competitors are. Um, sure. So uh, first off, actually, we are very happy to see that there is such a um, um, emulation around wave energy, wave energy technology, um, because for now we are focused on uh, increasing awareness about this source of energy and its potential both commercial and um, as a source of energy supply. So engine's technology, um, the in-wave, is an onshore type, multi-directional wave energy converter. So let's unpack that. Um, the onshore part is because our, our power generation unit is actually located on land, um, say from the elements, and the wave energy collecting unit is about 100 uh, meters away from shore. It's a sort of buoy, right? A floating unit. And it collects um, the energy from waves coming from all directions. So that's the multi-directional part. And then it mechanically transfers that energy to land through the ropes. So through the movement of the ropes, um, they're gonna generate energy on the land unit. And so for the, the people who know about the different types of wave energy technology, 
uh, we basically have an optimized uh, point absorber um, WEC, except most point absorbers go up and down and ours moves with all the movements of um, coastal waves. Um, so I would say a lot of our competitors are a bit more offshore based. So they have to uh, rely on submarine cables, which can prove very expensive. And one of um, our engineers goals was to avoid um, that um, underwater cabling and electricity. And all of that is on the land side. So your, your value proposition against some of those competitors is lower cost. Um, uh, being closer to land means that you can, uh, you're not out in the elements of the ocean as much. So uh, probably easier, cheaper to maintain, less chance of breakage, uh, lower cost to get going because you're smaller, smaller mm -hmm. units generating likely less, um, less power, but um, uh, you know, with the target sites being uh, local um, facilities and small islands, that, that works well. Um, yes, um, you said it. So basically to reduce those um, capital expenditures uh, and reduce the difficulty of maintenance so we don't need any uh, ship going offshore or anything like that. And that allows for um, smaller capac install capacity um, and decentralized um, distribution. And as you said, then we can reach the remote uh, coastal areas and islands markets because they don't all necessarily need a multi-megawatt installation. Sometimes they need, um, I don't know, even 100 kilowatt and you need to deliver that in an economically and a cost-effective way. And that's what we are getting at. But since we have a modular approach, meaning that uh, we can install any number of, of um, these modules, provided that we have um, um, a coastal site, then uh, we can also actually go up to multi-megawatts. That's I'm saying that for the future. Sure. And I mean, it's an enormous problem, isn't it? Uh, with all of the um, small island developing countries in the world, um, the problem of diesel pollution. So we have to transport that diesel to these small islands. Uh, that's, uh, expensive it's time consuming uh, it burns more fuel in the process of doing it which is not great uh, either and then of course there's the problem of uh, burning the diesel on the islands to generate power and that supply can be um, you know that's you're at the uh, the behest of um, getting diesel there on time there's um, you know you can run into periods where the supply there's supply issues and that that uh, means no power. Um, so to have a local source of electricity that's clean um, is really attractive and, you know, enables these small islands to become um, much more self-sufficient. Um, yeah, self-sufficiency, energy independence are keywords that we hear a lot from local communities. Energy independence and obviously cleaning up the diesel pollution, is, so they'd be the two major reasons that people are reaching out to you. Right, right. Sure. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, just tell me, um, we talked a little bit about how the, the wave energy converter works. Just give the listeners a little bit of an idea of what it looks like. 
Um, what it looks like. Um, so imagine a sort of uh, buoy uh, floating atop the waves about 100 meters away from shore. Um, the color depends on the regulations, I'm sorry to say, because it has to be safe uh, for boats not to um, come closer, etc. Um, and then on shore, you've got a sort of, um, uh, it can look like a rectangle, the power generation unit, but in reality, it is often designed with um, local regulations and local taste in mind. Uh, we actually have an in-house architect um, that makes sure of that. Um, so if there are local materials that are known to resist to the local weather, if um, we know, if we consult with the local population and they give us an opinion on what it should look like, then it's something we can work on within the limits of the technology. Sure. Um, so, Fanny, tell us about the, um, tell us a little bit about the founders of Vinjin and their motivation for um, starting the company, developing the technology. Um, you know, I'm also interested in hearing your motivation to be working for Ingen. You've got quite an interesting story yourself, a, a French girl working for a South Korean company, uh, startup, wave technology startup. I mean, that's a, I'm sure there must be a backstory to why you're there and why you're so passionate as well. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Um, well, so I'm going to start with my CEO, Daniel. So it's um like you said it's um it's a South Korean company. Um, there are a few foreigners. I'd say we are about um, twenty percent of the company, which is not a small number. But I was the first foreigner. But the technology is Korean, and Daniel is Korean. Um, so I think Daniel is uh, really passionate about renewable energy. And in the early 2000s, he joined a major uh, Korean oil conglomerate at the time, SK Energy. And he really wanted to develop a clean energy, clean energy systems in general. Um, but at the time, there was no such thing as a grid parity, meaning that renewables uh, were still considered too expensive to become mainstream. Um, so fast forward to 2008 with oil prices peaking and the, the, in the next years, the global recession that even I remember, although I am much younger. Um, so the prices were going to stay high for as long as um, one could forecast. And... Daniel started wondering himself, so when is this grid parity gonna come? And the only place at the time where grid parity was a thing were actually islands. And then he became more passionate about the case of islands and he, he personally, he, so it wasn't even in the scope of his job, but he went on a personal quest to discover which energy source is the best to supply islands. And he came up with Wave Energy and he went on his own. And in 2010, 2011, he decided to create Engine so that he could develop, develop such a technology the way he wanted to without the pressure of uh, a big company. And right, that's when the InWave was first thought 
and development started. I love it. So he's he he went looking for uh, or realized there was a, a problem. Uh, went on a bit of a mission, searching mm-hmm. and fact finding himself to sort of get to um, the heart of that problem and, and identify the opportunity. And he just decided, okay, well, I'm going to start a wave generating. <laughs> company and we'll develop this fantastic technology and and solve this problem um awesome (laughs) and he's an engineer is his background engineering yes so he's an engineer and then um he came to um take on business roles at his former company but even then he thought he wasn't at the decision making level so that's I guess the story of some entrepreneurs, they see they don't have enough space to develop their ideas, so they just branched out on their own. I, I believe that's Daniel's way of doing things. Yeah, I think that attracts a lot of people into the early stage space. It's certainly something that I find attractive about working in and around startups is, um, you know, the ability to have context for the entire organisation rather than, um, working in a big corporate and having yeah. a, a small role somewhere that you, you know, you've most days you even struggle to see how that fits into the bigger picture. Um, right. Yeah, context is, it can really get you motivated when you can see how everything comes together and how what you're doing, you know, directly contributes to that sort of top line strategy. It's it's an exciting space to be in and, and good on him. And I'm glad, uh, I'm glad he did go on that uh that expedition and so that was in 2012 here we are now almost eight years later or 2011 okay even more so nine years I mean because let's face it you don't develop um wave harnessing technology in a hurry do you it's uh it's not a quick process um tell us a little bit about what's happened in the last nine years where's the company been um to get to today um, so, uh, yeah, it's been, I mean, I joined uh, two years ago, but it's, it's been a ride. So um, actually nine years can seem like a lot to other sectors, but um, for this kind of technology, it is, it's not so bad. So there were lab scale tests until about 2014. And then they really wanted to see a real C proof of concept, which was a key to getting us to pre-commercial level. So uh, then uh, with the help, some help from the Ministry of Industry in Korea and the rest of it fun- funded by ourselves, um, Indian started building the demonstration plan in Jeju Island um, to full scale. So um, one one um, to get that proof of real C and the constru- the, it was commissioned, I think, very late um, um, 20... 16 and it's still actually um, working and connected to the grid in Jeju Island. So it's been really useful to test the, the technology in real C and see that it's working and get results and then optimize some parts of the system based on this constant demonstration. Um, some, some international partners have also visited and are always welcome, welcome to visit um, when, uh, when it's safe to travel again. Um, I would say the only thing about this demonstration plan is that um, in summer, the waves in Jeju Island are um, not really strong. 
for um, most wave energy technologies. So um, it's working the, the rest of the year. And it, it's, um, it's a sort of playground for our engineers and a way to stay in touch with how the technology reacts to, uh, to everything, to the waves, to the elements, including tsunamis. <laughs> wow. So you're constantly learning. It's a, it's a, it is a, um, it is a project site. So you're constantly learning. And I assume you're all, you also have, um, well, pre-COVID, you would have had uh, interested, um, uh, interested parties in the technology coming to have a look at it and seeing, um, you know, seeing it firsthand and, and seeing mm -hmm. how suitable it might be for, for where they're based. Yes, absolutely. And it's a nice place, Jeju Island. So <laughs> it's, is, that uh, where you're, is that where you're based? Where are you based? Uh, we are based in Seoul uh, for many reasons, just because, you know, well, it's the capital city and um, it's not so far. But then uh, Jeju Island is just an hour away by, um, by plane from Seoul and it has an international airport. So it's, it's quite accessible, at least in normal times. And do you, do you find yourself making trips to Jeju Island uh, very often? I've been um, quite a bit, right? Because then it's, it's sort of a rite of passage for Indian employees because you have to experience the technology for yourself. You're not, not just sitting in, in an office in Seoul and developing projects. So you go there, uh, you eat local food, uh, you have a local partner taking you around. Um, and there's a lot of... Uh, um, sea-based activities in Jeju, you know, that's also the, the home of the famous divers, the, the women who dive for, um, I forgot the name of the particular type of uh, seafood, <laughs> but they're, they're quite famous throughout the world. Awesome. Um, I, we moved on to uh, sure. our last question before you uh, before we got to hear about your why, you know, how do you find yourself at Inch and, and what is it that, um, you know, excites you about working with this technology and, and working in wave energy? Right. So you mentioned the challenge of developing such, um, like, uh, such an energy source with a large potential. So I'm, um, I'm a graduate of business and international cooperation. And I think... There's, I can find all of those elements uh, working at Engine because, sure, there's the business part, uh, that's clear, but also the amount of different stakeholders that you have to coordinate to develop wave energy project is very diverse because, the, the, of course, the public sector is interested um, and you've got investors but of the private sector, but you also have international organizations, uh, major climate finance uh, institutions. You have also to deal with environmental authorities in some countries with also, also with defense authorities because the sea and island territories can be actually sensitive areas. So there's the challenge of, of making all of that come together and um, it's a challenge, but that's the ex exciting part about it that I personally really enjoy. And of course, um, finding meaning in your, in your um, mission, which is to provide people with uh, clean and sustainable renewable energy. 
Yeah, awesome. It's um, you know, I, my my mind actually um, uh, it's an enormous role for you, really, isn't it? I mean, it, it's you know, it, it, I mean, you speak two or three languages. You're uh, you know, you're not operating in your home country. It's a new space. You're uh, trying to break into uh, uh, multiple markets with all sorts of um, regulatory and cultural issues. Um, my head spins thinking about how you handle the day to day of going about your <laughs> about your job. Um, so, good luck is uh, uh, with it, and I can um, you know it's fantastic that you're you're taking that on. It's inspiring. Um, you know, you mentioned, you, t you touched a moment ago on some of the challenges and, you know, we mentioned regulations and, and cultural issues. Um, maybe take a moment to tell us about the markets that you're um, currently working in and some of your priority areas and to touch on some of those challenges because, you know, it's not the same everywhere where you're working. Um, there's that mix of public-private um, input uh -huh. into... Um, selling power of any variety, um, and then yeah, the, the the cultural and local local economics. It's it's a complex mix. Right. So um, although the world is our goal, because by definitions, uh, by definition, islands and remote coastal areas are scattered throughout the world. We do have to um, have some focus areas if we want to get ahead and really. Um, deploy that technology. So I would say um, on the short term, so short term for wave energy, the wave energy sector, I would say um, the next two years or so, um, uh, our focus will be that um, deployment in mostly Southeast Asia and um, France, Europe, the, the Atlantic facade of Europe. Um, so, right, and in Southeast Asia in particular, um, Vietnam, uh, we're gonna going to have a um, plant um, there by the end of 2021 and on the island of Anbin, east of Vietnam. And we've established a subsidiary in Vietnam last summer to that effect um, because it considerably eases things in terms of regulation. Um, so I have some Vietnamese colleagues working on that at Engine. And as for France, we also, um, I believe, going to um, have a food uh, in the country. We're trying to establish a subsidiary because we want to expand our R&D capabilities all the way expanding to Europe, especially given that um, there's a lot of uh, things happening as regards to the ocean energy in France. So in order to co-benefit from this st stimulating environment, um, we have to, to be there. So um, it's true that we're trying to surround ourselves with uh, an ecosystem, which is why actually we're, um, the reason we participated in um, the Ocean um, Impact Pitch Fest um, at first is we, we heard about it because we're connected to that Australian ecosystem as well, because we're members of the Australia Ocean Energy Group and it's been a wonderful source of um, communication with our sector. 
yeah, Stephanie Thornton at the Australian Ocean Energy Group is doing some great work there. Um, um, and uh, it, it's it's fantastic seeing the space develop. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your your business model. From, from what I understand, you uh, mm -hmm. essentially sell the hardware to um, a, a third party on the ground at, at a site. And then, you know, mm -hmm. beyond that, you work with them to get get the um, get the wave energy converter up and running and you know mm -hmm. work according to uh, local regulations and all of the nuances in that particular location to ultimately get it hooked up to to a grid right that's the simplified version of it so clearly our most of our revenues um, would come from equipment sales um, but we do get involved right from project development and um, we get involved in the um, commissioning part of it. And as I've told you before, um, there's a part of transferring the, the operations and maintenance skills to local technicians. It's something that we've planned to do in many project locations. Um, right, so it's, it's not just um, uh, the, I mean, it's the equipment sales for the, the um, pure business model. But in reality, we get very involved in the projects. Yeah, and you really, I mean, it's essential that you get those people on the ground and you work closely with those with, mm -hmm. with locals. Um, otherwise, it's an enormous task for you to try and, um, you know, take on the world and get multiple installations where you run every facet of that. I mean, it was just, it's just an impossible task for right. even for a well-resourced company, let alone right, right. A, a startup. So it's... Um, it sounds completely sensible to me. Um, so challenges around um, uh, local challenges are always uh, interesting. Um, mm -hmm. You're entering Vietnam and France to start off with, um, well, you know, at the moment. What does, what does the next couple of years look like? Is that are you, are you targeting different regions? Is there growth in the regions you're, you're targeting? Um, what are your key priorities over the next 12 to 24 months? Okay, so if we're thinking 12 to 24 months, then for us, that's actually quite a short timeline, which is why I um, mentioned Vietnam and, and France in priority. But the truth is we are developing projects um, firstly elsewhere in Asia. I would mention um, Indonesia and Sri Lanka, for example. And um, there are a couple other locations in the world that may be not as, um, um, that I may not disclose right now, but we're completely open to any conversation with anyone who's interested and they can reach us um, on the website or on LinkedIn or anywhere really. Um, but there's something that we have to take into consideration is first we have to go to the markets where wave energy prices can be competitive which is for the most part for the moment um, islands you know without a role of diesel replacements but there are some partners who are interested um, you know who have a coastal sites or who own a ports that are interested in developing wave energy and then uh, we're working on a coastal site, for example, in Morocco. Um, so with that, in, in, so 
I would say by, it's difficult to give an exact date, but if you um, think about 2025 to 2027, then sometime during those years, we're going to pass the bar of uh, 100 megawatt install capacity. And thanks to that increased cumulative capacity and increased efficiency, then the cost of electricity is supposed to gradually decrease. And then we can think on um, going in more places in the world where that becomes interesting in, in terms of um, cost and prices. Yeah, excellent. Um, tell us about um, your uh, fundraising ambitions, next stages for the company growth. Um, I believe you're talking about an IPO or you have your sights set on an IPO. Right. And actually, it's, um, it's, a, it's a decision to launch the IPO around 2022, 2023. So we are already working within the company. We're working with a, a de um, dedicated um, consultant and company to prepare ourselves for this IPO. Uh, because so that would be on the Korean trading board cause that. Um, so we want to achieve that visibility, um, provide more exit options for potential investors. And that will be key to our um, commercialization um, process. So that, the, time, the timing of that 2022-2023 um, would be to um, essentially take what you've done to date and, uh, and list. Mm -hmm. And I assume you would do a, a capital raise at the same time. Mm -hmm. and that would be uh, growth capital to scale um, scale the team what what do you yeah what do you see beyond the IPO so we want to really after those few years um, increase our um, capacity um, and, and grow really like ex exponentially I would say I guess that's the word so big ambition here yeah, it's all, uh, it's <laughs> lots of fun listing a company, let me tell you. Um, and I say oh, that you've got a cheek. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of work to do and I wish you all the best. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, um, and look, you know, we, we are starting to see uh, purpose-based companies um, mm -hmm. looking at listing as, as an option. And um, look, I think that's important if we want to grow the, uh, the number of, of impact companies, um, you know, we need to show investors that ultimately there's an attractive exit at some point. Right. Um, that's, it. That's, that's a prerequisite. People need to have in mind that they can uh, ultimately get a return on their investment. So um, I do wish you absolutely all the best with, with that listing. I hope it goes really well. Um, we're coming to the end of our conversation, Fanny, and um, I just wonder if there's are there some things that people can do to support your journey or to find out more? Um, is there somewhere that interested investors can go to keep up to date on uh, on your IPO plans? Um, prospects that are interested in having a talk about the technology, where can people go? Okay, um, so... Um, the thing that works best, I would say, is contacting us directly um, to get the latest um, info and um, more details 
on our um, growth plans. Uh, when it, we're also trying to release more and more news on our website, so you can tune in on that as well. And we'll work on making making our um, LinkedIn also more active. Uh, that's a promise. <laughs> and um, the, the website is engine i n g i n e dot c o dot k r. Yes, and there's both a Korean version and an English version. So if you happen to um, write the URL, find us on Google and follow on the Korean version, don't panic. Just click on the <laughs> en on the top right, and, and you'll be just fine. <laughs> It's actually a really nice site and uh, it gives people um, an idea with some visuals about mm -hmm. how the technology looks and works also. So, yeah, I definitely encourage people to go on, go along and have a look because it is a little bit abstract when you're trying to describe what a wave energy converter looks like. Uh, yeah, without visuals. It's... It definitely helps with visuals, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, well, Fanny, thank you so much for um, this conversation this morning. I found it really interesting and... Um, I wish you and the company all the best on your journey. Um, we'll be watching closely. Thank you, Nate. It was a nice chat. Fantastic. Thank you. Bye. Bye.